I just want to start off with a little story. So when I was about 13 or 14, I went to, uh, to France, just over to Brittany, and uh, we were in a restaurant, and uh, it got to the time where we were ordering our desserts. And, um, and I, I looked at the, uh, at the female waitress and confidently, I must say, said, Je suis au profiterole au chocolat, which means I am a chocolate profiterole. <laughs> Um, the whole table erupted with laughter, and the poor waitress was confused. Uh, my mum had to step in and say, je voudrais, which means I would like. I had to be corrected, and I had the mick rightly taken uh, of me for the following year. Until, until the next year, I made up for it, and uh, with the same waitress, my sisters had ordered, I think it was like, pancakes and chocolate, and I, just, I stared at her and just said, mem, which means same. Uh, yeah. Again, the whole table erupted with laughter, but I didn't need correcting that time, which, which was great. But now as, as humans, we don't, we don't like to be corrected, do we? Um, it doesn't feel good. I, don't enjoy, I didn't enjoy being corrected by my mum. And uh, when, when we do something wrong or get something wrong, it can hurt and we can feel kind of dented. But we all need to be willing to be challenged, to be corrected, to be trained. It's important to cultivate a heart of teachability, to lay something down so that we can be willing to be challenged, to be willing to be wrong. In our passage from 2 Timothy today, it speaks of the usefulness of the Bible for teaching, for challenging, for correcting and training in righteousness. And so I'm just going to read this passage to you in a minute. It should come up on screen as well. So it's 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 4, 5. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. With great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around from a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, the book of 2 Timothy is one of my favorite books in the Bible, as it's very personal message from Paul to Timothy. Paul is in jail in Rome and explains to Timothy that he is close to death. 
and asked for Timothy to come to Rome to see him for potentially the last time. And the book of 2 Timothy is split into its two halves. The first half is an urging from Paul to Timothy um, to accept his calling. But Paul lays out in front of Timothy that this calling comes with a cost. The second half of the letter is Paul helping Timothy deal with the current leaders in the Ephesian church. Paul writes of poor theology that is being taught at the church, but doesn't go into detail because Timothy knows what's being taught. And then Paul calls Timothy to have the teaching grounded in scriptures. Paul explains that the scriptures are God-breathed, And they are useful for teaching, challenging, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that scriptures, are their purpose are to do this so that God's people are prepared to do good things. Now in verse 16 of chapter 3, it speaks of all scripture being God-breathed. And uh, then the reason that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, slash challenging, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I've always wrestled with this particular passage. Um, and uh, because in the original context that Paul is talking of, he's clearly speaking of the Old Testament. Because the New Testament was being written at the time. And, um, and so my wrestling with it has been when people have used it to prove that the New Testament is God breathed. And, uh, but since studying this passage today, I have discovered how credible it is to say the New Testament is God breathed, thankfully. Um, and I'm not, sa- I'm not saying that I didn't think that it wasn't God breathed. It was just when people used that passage to, to say that the New Testament was. Because Jesus states in John 14.10 that he does not speak on his own authority, but the Father who dwells in him does his works. Jesus also prepared his apostles to be taught and guided by the Spirit. It says in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. This is then backed up by Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 13, where he says, we impart this inwards, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. And then Peter also states in 2 Peter 3, 16, that Paul's letters are Scripture. So this is what he says. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. And I feel sometimes some people can skirt over this 2 Timothy passage and just accept that, all scripture is God breathed and not really digging deeper into the kind of heart of it. And I think it's, it's a real beauty to see Paul's view of scripture here, where Paul urges Timothy to continue in what he has learned and believed from his mother and his grandmother, Eunice and Lois, and says that the whole Bible, every single word is God breathed. So, what does this mean for us? Well, it means so much. It means that when we read 
this beautiful book, we are hearing God speak to us directly. It means when we read of the ways of holiness in this book, that it is God calling us into that life. It means when we are struggling in life, we have the confidence that God knows how we feel because we read about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane so alone and in such stress that he sweats blood. And we read of Paul talking of the thorn in his side. It means that through this book, God can teach us, challenge us, correct us, and train us for righteousness directly through what he said to a group of men 2,000 odd years ago. I mean, that's quite something, isn't it? Paul also tackles in, uh, in 2 Timothy 4.3, I believe. Oh, he's gone a bit far. Um, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. And uh, firstly, I thought it would be a good, good idea to kind of unpack what doctrine is. Because not all of us know what it is. It's quite a Christianese word, you may say. Um, so doctrine is a set of core beliefs um, that a faith holds to. These can also vary for denominations within faiths as well. So as Christians, one of our core doctrines would be that we believe that there is one God. But our our defining doctrine is that we believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on a cross, and that three days later he rose again. An example of a doctrine that sets a denomination apart from another could be that Anglicans practice infant baptism. Now, doctrine, as you can imagine, can be a uniting tool, but it can also be a divisive one. And what I believe Paul to be talking about in this is that he is warning Timothy that there is a time coming where the churches that Paul has planted in Asia Minor will not endure sound teaching or doctrine. The word endure here sounds like they're having to put up with or painstakingly deal with, which in some way could be true. It means that they will not keep on listening to these, these preachers and this word because it damages their pride to be told that they are a sinner because it points to their spiritual shortcomings. Almost like they aren't willing to be taught, challenged, corrected and trained for righteousness anymore. Paul is warning Timothy that these people are not going to be listening to healthy, good teaching, but will want that junk food teaching. The sort of teaching that will make them feel good in the short run, but will make them unhealthy in the long run. It's common in this day and age to have your favorite preacher. And I mean, Pete's not too bad himself. Um, But it's it's that phrase, isn't it? And I'm guilty of using it about sermons or preachers that you always kind of get something out of it. And uh, when it says you're particularly something you're kind of wanting to hear or something you agree with, I mean, who doesn't love, love it when someone agrees with you? And sometimes you can be listening to a preacher and not agree with what he's preaching. And I, I've had it, and I'm sure most of you here have also. And it can often be helpful to listen to them with an open mind. So open, to open yourself to be wrong for the opportunity of the Spirit to speak to you and teach you. 
It's hard to lay down a belief. It does hurt to be wrong. What I'm not saying here is that you open yourself up to teaching that goes against the core teaching of Christianity or the Free Methodist Church. But what I am saying is that the way we are taught, challenged, corrected, and trained in righteousness is at a start point of accepting that maybe we could be wrong. This can make listening to some preachers and preachers difficult and may make you squirm. And it seems to me that that Paul, when he preached, was often someone that made people squirm with what he said, a healthy, convicting squirm that people are unsatisfied with where they're at, spiritually, relationally, etc. And I'm also pretty sure that Jesus uh, did this too. It's very common to read of how Jesus upset the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Uh, Scripture is useful for teaching, challenging, correcting, and training in righteousness. For it is when we are uncomfortable that we grow most. It would be so easy to uh, to eat our comfort food for seven days straight, wouldn't it? But to eat a balanced diet, to have our five a day, it takes effort. I mean, it it does for me at least. Um, when you're you're striving and pushing yourself, we have to sit there in front of that iceberg lettuce and squirm as we allow the good nutrients into us, um, as we should with good, solid Bible teaching. We may be challenged, we may be humbled, but it's that challenging and that discomfort that forces us to grow. We eventually get to that point where we love the healthy stuff, where that iceberg lettuce is is a joy every day to eat. <laughs> and, uh, and that smoothie in the morning is better than the quadruple espresso we were having previously. Uh, and the common thing that people do when they get to that stage is that they make an Instagram about it and they share like this amazing food that they're having, this beautiful array of colors of, of lettuce of the green, tomatoes red, peppers yellow, whatever color you'd like. Um, or they uh, create a blog or even a vlog. And actually, this is what Paul next charges Timothy with, to do the work of an evangelist. The Jerusalem Bible translates this as make the preaching of the good news your life's work. I do like the way that translation puts it and uh, that everything in life is an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. It makes it plain that if Christ does indeed live in us because our old self has been crucified in him, with him, then the preaching of the good news should be our primary aim in everything. That doesn't mean we have to constantly be talking about Jesus and completely be isolated from the world, but it means that we, show, we are constantly showing how Jesus addresses all of people's deepest concerns. We show how we are aware of the issues within the world and how Jesus came to right those broken relationships. We show how Jesus has changed our lives and want to share that he can change others also. I think in this context that Paul was writing to Timothy, um, 
I think in this context, when Paul was writing to Timothy about this, that he was calling him, Timothy, to, um, to get to a point where he's telling the gospel to his church because they've lost the whole point of Christianity, that they get that first gospel hearing experience again. That, um, that the people in Timothy's church will get to a point where they have lost the point of Christianity so much that they need to hear the gospel, the good news, like a non-believer does for the first time. Like when you see a free sample stall at Asda. Uh, you get excited. You try and go back for a second or maybe a third um, and sample and you are until you are sold out to go all out. And uh, I, I feel this was part of Timothy's role within, uh, which was needed for the future of the Ephesian church. And we should also be like that man on the free sample stand. We show how excited we are by Jesus, that other people want to sample faith in him out with the eventual goal of getting them to be sold out on Jesus that they have their faith of their own. We also mustn't be like some sample stall owners who stop people from having too many samples. If it takes people a load of samples of Jesus before they're sold, then it's worth it. To have people turn from the ways of the world to the ways of Jesus is powerful and is something that Scripture has a role in. To challenge the ways of the world. For scriptures are useful for teaching, challenging, correcting, and training in righteousness. So what what can we do from all of this? What kind of what kind of practical things can we do? Well I have I have three points like all classic sermons. What first point is read the Bible. It's as simple as that. Read it on your own, read it with friends Read it with your family. Discuss its contents over a meal. Chat about passages you're wrestling over and take time to read into those passages. To read into uh, the deeper understanding of the, the passage and allow yourself, your previous understanding to be wrong and to be challenged. For the Bible is one of the ways that God can speak to us. And he uses the Bible to teach us, to challenge us, to correct us and train us in righteousness. Second point, don't be comfortable. Uh, That is a tough one. But push yourself and allow God to put you out of your comfort zone. It is uncomfortable, but the growth you experience is amazing. Explore passages you are wrestling over. And when reading into the passage deeper, allow yourself to be wrong. But hold on to good doctrine and teaching. A heart of teachability is an amazing thing to have. But it does take hard work. And I appreciate it's not comfortable. But if you don't cultivate teachability, it's harder to grow. For God is training us in righteousness after all. And thirdly, share how amazing journeying with Christ is. It could be a part of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Uh, To tell a family member that you haven't spoken to about your faith or your friend at work. Or if you've told all of those people, then you could go out and about in Sonostal. 
For we all have a story of how God has moved in our lives. Each story is amazing, beautiful, and having Christ live in you is such a powerful thing to have. So remember, when you're reading the Bible, be ready to be taught, be ready to be challenged, to be corrected, and to be trained in righteousness.